أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم قال أراغب أنت عن آلهتي يا إبراهيم لئن لم تنته لأرجمنك لئن لم تنته لأرجمنك واهجرني مليا قال سلام عليك سأستغفر لك ربي إنه كان بي حفيا وأعتزلكم وما تدعون من دون الله وأدعو ربي عسى ألا أكون بدعاء ربي شقيا فلما اعتزلهم وما يعبدون من دون الله وهبنا له إسحاق ويعقوب وكلا جعلنا نبيا ووهبنا لهم من رحمتنا وجعلنا لهم لسان صدق عليا رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري واحد عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد وانسجان السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته So today I'm going to continue talking to you about Ibrahim alayhi salam and we're going to get to a pretty tough part of the story a very delicate part and uh, something that uh, takes a lot of care and time to try and understand I'm going to introduce that today so at least relatively the task I have before me today is a little bit easier but the task tomorrow, inshallah, is a bit tougher. So I ask Allah to give me clarity in being able to understand it properly and also being able to communicate its message to you all properly and being being able to do justice to the Book of Allah. Um, so today what we're going to talk about is Ibrahim salam has been told, leave the house, don't come back ever again. How dare you walk away from my gods? That's what we talked about yesterday. And we're going to look at Ibrahim salam's response now. This young man is now being kicked out of his home and he has nothing but love for his father. He's been brave, he's been able to express what he believes, but it's not like he hates his father, but the father is showing a lot of spite and hatred towards him. So what does he say? He says, Qala salamun alayka. He says, peace on you. And salam is, is general. Uh, so as-salamu alayka and salamun alayka, a little bit balaghi difference between them. The tanween, salamun, the end that you hear in salamun. What that does is, it's like unimaginable kinds of salam, unimaginable kinds of peace. Like I can't see peace coming to you right now from what I see. You're, you know, drowned in shirk and misguidance. And when someone has that, then, you know, يجعله, you know, their, their sadr, their chest becomes harajan dayyiqan, it becomes tight. So when people don't do right by Allah, Allah makes their chest tight. So he can't see how his dad's going to have peace. But he's saying Allah is capable of anything. Maybe somehow his heart is going to change at some point. So he's actually not only saying farewell. When we think of salam, we think of farewell. He's actually praying for his father. I pray you find peace. I pray somehow peace comes onto you. I pray somehow good comes onto you. And that peace can only come by way of faith. So actually even inside salamun alayk, he's actually praying for his father to find the right faith. Right, that's, that's embedded inside those words. Now these are parting words of Ibrahim. This young man, you can imagine a teenager, is being kicked out of the house. And his father is saying, get away from here. And his last words to his father are calm. 
and prayer and peace. And he's leaving in a peaceful way. Now, the thing is, typically you would imagine the elder is more composed and the youth is fired up. And when, ki when kids leave the house, you know, when a young man walks out of the house, or a girl walks out of the house, they, they scream and yell back, slam the door, they walk out, right? That's the, that's the typical scene that repeats itself around the world. And here you have the elder acting like a child and the child behaving maturely, right? He's the one that's saying, peace on you, and I'm praying for you, and he's walking away peacefully, right? And that's one of the remarkable things that Islam does. Islam, uh, it brings about maturity at an early age that even surpasses the elder. It gives a young man, a young woman, control over their emotions. They don't get riled up easily. It's not easy to get under their skin. It's not easy for them to just lose their emotional temperament. You know, and if that's the case with you, then you haven't internalized some things from the Quran yet. If you get easily fired up, if you get easily riled up, then you haven't internalized the thought process that Allah wants you to have. Because you know, obviously, if if you know any other person is in this position, they're trying to tell their dad they're doing something wrong or whatever, and they get yelled at, they could just fire back and say, you know, I'm trying to help you. You want to burn in hell so bad? You know what? That sounds like your problem. Then go ahead. You know, <laughs> they could do that. Or five. How are you? Why are you yelling at me? I'm the one trying to help you. Don't you realize this is wrong? They could they could raise their voice too, but Ibrahim alayhi keeps his composure, and that's one of the things. A theme that you'll find among the prophets of Allah is that they keep their composure, even when he decided decided to destroy the idols. He kept that to himself, and he did this whole thing that Allah wanted him to do. But even at the end of it all, he kept his composure. And now with his dad, this is actually a scene before the whole escalation outside, because we're not going chronologically. We're going by the passages of the Qur'an, right? So the, the scene where he destroyed the idols that we already talked about is going to happen later. That's, that hasn't happened yet. But even now, he's kept his composure and he didn't let that, that situation escalate. The thing to know here is that you can be a very composed person in every part of your life. You could be really, really well controlled at work. Your manager could be like Fir'aun, you know, 2.0. And... You can just stay calm and composed. You could you could be a cashier at a store, and the person in front of you is the most obnoxious human being on the planet. Somehow, your your luck that they're the one who showed up and they want a refund for a half-eaten sandwich or whatever, right? And they're giving you a hard time. Where's the manager? This and that, and you could say, "Excuse me, thank you." You could keep your composure. One, because you want to keep your job, but two, because you've learned to grow a thick skin and ignore some of that craziness, right? You can ignore all of that stuff. But you know, the same people who have that kind of high level of composure and tolerance in whatever situations, they're not able to keep that composure when it comes to family. Because family members have a way of poking you that gets right through any defenses you have. Like they could say stuff and they can do stuff and they can look at you in ways. If anybody else said exactly the same thing, it wouldn't bother you. But if your dad said it, your mom said it, your brother said it, your spouse said it, your child said it, it would cut deep. And that's why it's harder to be more composed and dignified and, you know, uh, under, under control when you're having conversations and communications with family. And sometimes those conversations are about Islam. They're about your religion. And it may be even if you're in a Muslim family, you're a little more Muslim than the rest of your family. That's very possible, right? Or you're at least trying to be. And they notice it and then they start making fun of your religion 
or they might be start making fun of you. You're practicing your religion. Or where are you going? Oh, okay, yeah, you're holy now, right? Okay, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. They're being sarcastic with you. They're taking shots at you. They're do and they, they're doing it and they're doing it. And you know what? Eventually you explode. But Ibrahim salam's legacy again, his father's exploding on him. But he's keeping his composure and he realizes something. He's not going to take a stand and say, I'm staying here no matter what. Make me leave. You can't make me leave. He's leaving. I'm not going to escalate the situation. I'm going to walk away. That's fine. And it's another important thing that sometimes heated exchanges are not under your control or my control. Somebody's going to lose their temper. Somebody's going to lose their cool. They're going to explode. There's nothing you can do about that. But one thing you can do is distance yourself. You can distance yourself. You know, it's interesting. Some people actually say crazy things, because, not because they mean it, but because that's their way of keeping you in check. Right? Get out of my house. Don't ever come back. Okay, I'm going to leave. Where are you going? <laughs> you just said get out of the house. You just said don't come back. Yeah, don't be smart with me. No, I'm, I'm actually being sane. <laughs> right? So you can, you can hear overly dramatic things in the heat of exchange. And what you need to do, if, you, if you're exposed to that constantly, if I'm exposed to that constantly, you're within your rights to say, I'm not going to continue to expose myself to that. I need to distance myself. There's nothing wrong with distancing yourself. Allah Azza wa Jalla in the Quran says, He tells us about parents, give them company in the most dignified way. Accompany them. Accompany them. And then he talks about old age and how they become hard to deal with. He talks about that. You know? If one of them or both of them reach old age, uh, then don't say even uf to them. This is a Makki surah. That's important to note because in Makkah, the Sahaba, the companions who became Muslim, their parents weren't Muslim. Right? So when this ayah came down, it wasn't, its first audience was not Muslim parents, it was non Muslim parents. So there was a hostility at home. And when they were coming at you, then you don't even say uf to them. Then you keep, you know, you, you stay patient. You don't respond. You don't, you don't get aggressive. But what we learn from the legacy of Ibrahim is even stepping away. Sometimes stepping away is doing them a favor. Because if you, you know, if you're trying to do, convince them to do something good, but they've resorted to hostility, like their biggest problem isn't the message, their problem is you're saying it. Like the fact that you're saying it is the problem. If anybody else would have given them advice, they would have been more prone to listen to it without their guard up. But the fact that you're the son or you're the youth or you're the, who are you to tell me? That's what it's become now, right? So you sticking around is actually making it more difficult for them to accept the message, right? It's, it's coming from you is the problem now. Even if you're Ibrahim, <laughs> even if you're Ibrahim, that's the problem. So that the right thing to do there is to step away. You know, like sometimes, a lot of times actually, it's either, you know, this is a child talking to, giving da'wah to the parent, but the opposite scenario, parents giving da'wah to the child. And there's a lot of that scenario around the world, right? So a mother says, my son stopped praying, or my daughter isn't, you know, observing the deen anymore, and they're, they have bad company, they're resorting to bad things. How do I stop them? You know, like the Quran says, Waylaka amin. Parents are saying, curse you, believe, Where's, where did your faith go? Like parents are deeply frustrated with their children. And what does Allah say about that? You know, he, the, he expresses the frustration of those parents, but at the same time, sometimes you have to just realize that we don't own our kids. What did Yaqub have to do? Sabrun Jamil, he has to demonstrate beautiful patience. He's, constantly, he's not constantly preaching to his sons. 
they're already, they need to come figure this out on their own. At some point you have to realize this person has to figure this out on their own. Everything you could have done, you've done. And if you keep trying to nail this in more and more, you're only making things worse. You're not doing good da'wah anymore. You're, you're, you're reversing the effects of da'wah. You're only making it more antagonistic now. So he says, Salamun alayk. Then he says, Astaghfiru laka rabbi. So beautiful. I'm going to ask my master to seek, your, seek forgiveness for you. I'm going to pray for your forgiveness. So he's telling his idol-worshipping, idol-manufacturing father that he's going to be praying for his forgiveness. Now this is a this is the delicate issue that I'm going to talk to you about at length tomorrow, inshallah. Which is what? Which is that? Are we allowed to pray for the salvation and the forgiveness of our non-Muslim family members? Are we allowed to do that? Because there are other places in the Quran which seem to say, "No, you're not." And this is Ibrahim alayhisam saying, "I'm going to pray for you." You know, and there are other, so we're going to have to look at all of it. We're going to have to look at all the places where Allah says, "Don't do that." And we're going to look at the example of Ibrahim and the exception of Ibrahim or when is it okay and when is it not okay and I want to be as empathetic as possible. There are people who absolutely love their mother, right? And they're doing da'wah to her. They're, they're, they're asking for praying for their forgiveness is actually the same as praying for their guidance, isn't it? Because we know that forgiveness doesn't come except for by way of guidance. The rules are not different for your parents or for your loved ones than they are for yourself. I know I can't get forgiveness if I don't live by guidance, right? So it's the same thing for them. So asking for their forgiveness is the same as asking for their guidance. It's their, they go hand in hand. So we're going to dive deeper into that, inshallah, because it is a delicate topic. And I have met some Muslims that, that took shahada and then they were told you can't pray for your parents or you can't pray for your brother or your sister. And they're in a, in a crisis. Like they know that my parents are heading down the wrong path and they can't even pray for them, right? So how do we reconcile that? That's, that's again tomorrow's task. But for today, he says to his father, I'm going to be praying for your forgiveness. My master, he's always been extremely good to me, extremely gentle with me. My Rabb has been extremely gentle with me. This Hafi uh, in Arabic is So it's, it's actually someone who's extremely good and extremely gentle and and delicate in treating you and, and taking care of you. This is how Ibrahim salam is describing Allah. So look at well, you should notice a pattern now. The way Allah talks, the way Ibrahim talks about Allah. Ibrahim salam talks about someone who he he has to worship someone that he loves, right? Not just someone that has an authority over him, someone that he loves. And now he's talking about someone who's been extremely delicate and gentle with him, right? Then he when he called on his name, he called on Ar-Rahman. So yes, Allah has many names. But it seems to be that Allah's the, the, the dimension of God that Ibrahim is so attached to, first and foremost, is actually him being loving, caring, protecting, you know, always, the, always there for you. Someone who deserves to be loved back because of the love he gives. That's the dimension that, he, that is at the center of the discourse and the da'wah of Ibrahim. This is important because. Muslim, Allah, you know, Muslim discourse should reflect Abrahamic, Ibrahimi discourse. The way we think about Allah, the way we introduce people to Allah, should be the way Ibrahim salam thought about Allah because Millata Abikum Ibrahim. That's why I did this series, the religion of your father Ibrahim. Right? So when we present Allah as the authority, as the punisher, as the all powerful, as the one who will take revenge on judgment day, as the one who's terrified, like those are all true. No, as the one who destroyed the nation of Nuh and the nation of Salih and the nation of Fir'aun, the destroyer of nations. It's also true. That's not how you introduce Allah. 
That's that. And what's crazy is a lot of us were introduced to Allah from childhood in this way. We were told if you miss a prayer, you're going to get punished by Allah. If you eat the cookie you're not supposed to, you're going to get punished by Allah. If you, if you talk back to your mom, you're going to get punished by Allah. Allah will punish, Allah will punish, Allah will punish. You know, and there are even some cultures where like mothers get angry at their daughters and they say, Allah will put you in Jahannam. Like they're making dua for their child to go, what kind of psychotic, you know, and these are these are people in like, these are people that memorize Quran, they're wearing hijab, they got beards and they talk like that. Like what Islam is that? That's, a, that's not this religion. This is why coming back to the, the essence of our deen is so important. Coming back to the word of Allah is so important. It's not just lip service. We don't just say these things. It has to impact our thought process, our communication skills. All of it should be impacted. So he says, My master has always been caring and gentle with me. And he's also actually kind of hinting at his dad. Dad, my, my rub is gentle with me and you used to be too, you know. So, <laughs> but you, whether you're gentle with me or not, whether you're kind to me or not, I still have my rub. إِنَّهُ كَانَ He says then, وَأَعْتَزِلُكُمْ وَمَا تَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ I am abandoning all of you. I'm distancing myself from all of you. So this is not just dad anymore. This is the whole society, right? Because now if, even if my dad won't listen, then I know my society is you know, part and parcel with him. I've got no other place to go in this entire town. I'm going to leave all of you, abandon all of you. And I'm going to get away from whatever it is that you're calling other than Allah. And I'm just going to make, I'm just going to call on my Rabb. The only support I have left is my Rabb. And the only thing I have now is to turn back to Allah and call on Him. It is my hope that I will never become someone who is miserable and hopeless when it comes to calling on my Rabb. Meaning I'm always going to call on my Rabb, I'm going to always pray to him and never be miserable and hopeless when I pray to him. I'm never going to let that sink in my heart. So this is now another powerful dimension of our deen. Our worship of Allah is with the tongue. We're making dua to Allah. But the heart has to be in the right place. And the, the, the heart of Ibrahim he's hoping because he knows being hopeless is a pretty easy thing to become. Situations in life can make me hopeless. He's being kicked out of the house. He doesn't even know where he's going to get his next meal. He doesn't even know where he's going to sleep tonight. And those back in the day, raiders and this and that, there was no 911. Somebody's going to kill you on the middle of the road. Your corpse is going to be there. And the next people that come by are going to empty your pockets. That's what's going to happen. You know, this was the old world, the ancient world. And he's a young man. So he's an easy target, right? And then his entire, entire town hates him on top of that. And so now he says, but I, have I hope that no matter how bad the situation gets, I don't become hopeless when I turn to Allah in prayer. I hope that doesn't happen. So the situation outside should never impact my connection with Allah. The situation outside can be good, it can get bad, it can get worse and worse and worse. But my dua to Allah shouldn't change. Now I'll leave you with this. It's so beautiful. When he distanced himself from them, and he distanced himself from all their false gods, whatever they worshipped other than Allah. We gave him the gift of a child, Ishaq. That didn't happen right away. That happened several decades later when he was an old man. This leaving the house happened when he was a teenager. And he's having a child in his 70s and 80s, actually. You know? So that's way down the road. And what does Allah say? When he left them, Allah gave him the gift of Ishaq. Then he says what? Wa Yaqub. And his grandson Yaqub. 
And then he says, وَكُلًّا جَعَلْنَا نَبِيًّا And all of them we made into prophets. وَهَبْنَا لَهُمْ مِنْ رَحْمَتِنَا And we gave them the gift, we gave all of them gifts from our mercy, our loving care. وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُمْ Meaning his children, his offspring. لِسَانَ صِدْقٍ عَلِيَّ We gave them truthful tongues. Allah starts talking about his future, future generations. What is Allah telling us? One man made a decision to leave shirk, right? And what did Allah give him as a gift? He gave him the legacy of children that will become prophets and carry the tongue of truth because he spoke the truth to his father. And now, going perpetually into future generations, all of their good deeds become his. He's been abandoned by the people in this dunya, but long after he's gone, there are people that are loyal to him and are going to continue to add to his good deeds. By the time you get to Ishaq, Yaqub, Yaqub gives birth to, you know, his, his son is Yusuf. Yusuf is in jail. He's talking to a couple of prisoners. And he's saying, I follow the religion of my father, Ibrahim. Three generations are gone down, and he's talking about who? Ibrahim, alayhi salam. On the flip side, you got Ismail. 4,000 years later, you get Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi And he's talking about, Millata abikum Ibrahim. All of this, Allah is connecting it to what? He was willing to leave everything he loved, and everyone he loved, when they made it impossible for him to worship Allah, he won't leave the worship of Allah. When he made that decision, Allah changed the course of the future. Allah changed the course of history. Allah changed the course of future generations. That's what he gave him. So maybe Allah will put your life and my life in difficulty. Allah will put some, some young man, some woman who accepted Islam, they, they feel like they lost their family, they lost their friends, they lost their social circle, they're completely isolated and abandoned. You know what? You should feel like that because you're supposed to relive Ibrahim salam's story. That's why it's there. That, that episode has to happen. You're supposed to feel that isolation. And that isolation is actually the gift from Allah which will lead to people being brought into your life by way of children, by way of spouse, by way of friends. Those who believe and do good deeds, we will absolutely enter them into the company of good people. Allah will give you new company. He'll give you a new family. He'll give you a, something that won't just last in this, this world. It will be something that will continue into the next life too. The, the, the kinds of people you want to be together with them in this life, and you get to be together and happy with them in the next life too. That's what He'll replace it with. But to, in order to earn that, maybe you're going to have to go through some isolation. Maybe you're going to have to experience what your father Ibrahim experienced. Maybe, maybe people will push you away. Maybe people are going to hate you for what you're, how, you, how you're being now. Just for your Islam. Just for your Islam. And, you know, and I say this a million times. I'll say this as I, as I end today. This isn't just happening because somebody accepted Islam in a Christian family, a Jewish family, a Hindu family, an atheist family, etc. Et and many of those people are even understanding. Sometimes and a lot of times in Muslim families, when a young man or a woman or even elder decides to wake up and wake up to their religions, they don't they don't want to be Muslim by name anymore. They actually want to be Muslim. They want to know what Allah says. They want to bring changes into their life that make Allah happy. Then you'll find that the kind of rage that Ibrahim's father had, you'll see that kind of rage coming from Muslim families too. Muslim at least by name. But they'll be upset. They're going through these changes. I don't like it. This is too extreme. I don't like it. You know? And when that happens, you and I better be ready and we better be the kinds of, we better exhibit ourselves in the way that Ibrahim exhibited himself, right? the way he carried himself. We're supposed to be calm, collected and loving and pray for them. If Ibrahim can pray for his mushrik father, we should absolutely be praying for our family members that may be giving us a hard time, but they deserve our prayer. You know, 
And I, the last thing I'll tell you is Ibrahim said this openly, but you can also read it as, he didn't tell his father, I'm going to pray for your forgiveness. But maybe as he's walking away lovingly, he's saying it, you know, murmuring it to himself, saying, I'm going to pray for your forgiveness, dad. You know how you talk to someone even though they're not there? Right? You, because you feel a connection to them? So it's perhaps that way that he's speaking. Because if you go to somebody, a family member, and you say, you know what? You need a lot of dua. I'm going to make dua for you. <laughs> that's not dua, that's an insult. Right? And it's also self-righteous. Like, you got the dua connection. They're probably, their dua, who's going to listen to that? <laughs> so don't do that. But genuinely, you know, pray for your family members, the ones that are even hostile towards your deen. Even, especially those that are hostile towards your deen And pray that Allah gives them peace Because that hostility is coming from a place It's coming from a place where they don't have peace And then once they have that Then perhaps Allah will give them guidance And everything else that comes with it Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim Wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikri al-Hakim